Hello, and welcome to the recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the last week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org. It's a free download when you sign up for our newsletter. We know that some of you love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive from the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whatever category you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here with us today. Welcome back to the recap. This is the September 24th episode. We're in 2 Samuel, Ezekiel, and 2 Corinthians. You were going to say something about 2 Samuel. You're like, this is the part where... Yes. Okay. So this is where it's like, it's so dramatic. There's so much, it's like a movie, but this is when Absalom... Um, like Stole the kind hearts of, of the people, right? He sneaks in, he comes back and the whole time he's back with David, he's like on the side, you know, getting people on his team mm-hmm. and then he leaves and there's this, he, he has his people. And okay. But first David's people. a jerk. Don't forget that part. Like David won't, David invites him back, but will not, doesn't see him. Well, yeah. will not even speak to him. He's right. basically giving him the cold shoulder for like two or three years. Yeah. It's for the a while. Absalom is like, let me see him or I'm done. Like, this is ridiculous, which I think yeah. is like good for Absalom. Right. Except that go, he's doing and then, what you're saying. And then he kissed, like it's Absalom was someone he brown and the King kissed Absalom. So it seems like he's like forgiven or whatever. Yes. Okay. So then Absalom goes and he takes his people and they're, this is like this Israel and Judah thing, but there's this guy, Ahithophel, who is David's counselor. Mm-hmm. And, um, he joins Absalom because David tells him to Nope, Spire, That's right? a different guy. Oh, that's sorry. the other guy. That's Hushai. Okay. Okay. So Ahithophel goes and he joins Absalom's and David prays when he finds out that Ahithophel has joined the conspiracy, he says, oh God, turn Ahithophel's counsel to foolishness. And then he sends his friend. I don't know what he's called in CSB, but the message calls him a friend. I kind of assume he had some sort of powerful position. His name is Hushai or Hushai. And David sends him to go and kind of like be a spy, basically play both sides. Uh But I love what I love is that's in chapter 15 is when David prays that. And then in chapter 17, um, when all this is playing out and Ahithophel, so Hushai goes in and he kind of like goes against the counsel of Ahithophel. He basically says, no, we shouldn't do that. We should do this. And he's a double agent. Basically he's, he's, trying to turn the people back to David. Um, But then in verse 14, it says, um, Absalom and all his company agreed that the council of Hushai, Hushai the archite was better than the council of Ahithophel. In parentheses, God had determined to discredit that council of Ahithophel so as to bring ruin on Absalom. Like, oh, by the way, I just love that we get to see this like super specific, precise answer to David's prayer. Like, even though David, now we're at this point where David's kind of screw up. He's not doing things the way that we want him to. He's not always walking with God as he was before. And yet we see God, like, this is a super specific prayer. Like David just doesn't say, God save me from my enemies or, you know, like make Absalom's plans come to ruin. He specifically prays that the way that it's, the way the problem is solved is through this man, Hithophel. And that's what God decides to do. And I just... I think that's cool that we see that little 
another insight kind of into that relationship that David has with God, that yes, kind of like friendship and that God That's obviously really like that David is God. God has chosen David. God put him on the throne and he is the one who is going to bring. The yes. And one of the things that I think, I, I think I've always understood this to be the case, but I didn't realize that there's, there could be confusion about it. And I love the way, cause we were talking about this in our, on Sunday morning and, um, our pastor was there and he said, I just want to be clear that like when I think I've always, I had always imagined it as though when it says a man after God's own heart, that it was like, David had like the heart of God in him. But what it actually is saying is he was after God's heart. Like he was a, he was, he was a man who was after God's heart. Like he was, he was constantly going after God. And I really like that. Um, he kind of drew out that <laughs> distinction and pointed out how important that distinction is because David is not like God, except that he's mm-hmm. an image bearer, but he is a man who repents. He makes mistakes and he mm-hmm. repents and he constantly is going after a closer relationship with God, mm-hmm. even though he makes mistakes. And I think that's one of the distinctions we were making before is kind of noticing that, that moment where things change mm-hmm. with the Ark of the covenant, but even still, like, it's kind of neat to look at how all of these dynamics happen now that David is in power and it almost makes it, it's almost I'm literally thinking out loud, but it's like it confirms that this is just what happens in places of power. Hi, this is Erin, and I'm glad that you're studying scripture with us here on The Recap. I wanted to let you know that while we take a break from dive studies in August, we are studying the parenting study that I wrote in May over on the network. Please come join us for that. You'll get the parenting study for free with an all-access pass, or you can purchase the study in the shop at divecollective.org. But you can come join us on the network for discussion at www.members.divecollective.org. Our Dive Genesis study will begin again in September with our study on Joseph. If you haven't joined us yet, we've been studying the book of Genesis in depth this year, starting with creation of Noah, then Abraham, and we just finished Jacob in July. You can catch those studies for free via podcast with a free community membership over on the network as well. I highly encourage you to join a live study though, through an all access pass, Those studies are far richer than you can imagine as your brothers and sisters bring their takeaways to the group each week. I can't wait to see you over in the network very soon. Now let's get back to the recap. Hmm. People start conniving and undermining and trying, even with Ziba. Ziba is another great example. And Mephibosheth's service. Well, Mephibosheth too. You go ahead. Well, I don't think, well, you talked about this last time. We did? Yeah. It seems like Mephibosheth de- betrays David. No. Yeah. I don't think so. I think Mephibosheth actually, I think that what we see is that Ziba portrayed it as though Mephibosheth wasn't coming. And so he was coming with all of these things. When in reality, Mephibosheth's story about what happens, I think is the true story at the end. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. I, but either way, the point is, is that like, when you're in power, you can't always trust the people that come before you with the stories that they tell, mm-hmm. because like, people are just always after your favor and the power and the right. prosperity that you can offer them. And so to see a man after God's own heart in this chaos of confusion and, um, war and deceit is really kind of neat. And I think what you're pointing out is the point, which is that even if where God puts you is a position of power, if that's what you're called to, 
and you're surrounded by people who are power hungry and deceitful mm-hmm. and can't be trusted that if God put you there, he can, he can act on your behalf. If you're mm-hmm. after his, if you remain after his art, if you remain humble, if you remain repentant, he does, he works on your behalf. Yeah. And so that idea that we even want, we want believers in positions of power. We want believers in the Senate and in the white house. And in all of these, like, we do want that, but we want, don't want believers. We want people, men and women who are yeah. after God's own heart, who are going to make mistakes, but are, who are going to repent and who mm-hmm. are going to call out to him. And mm-hmm. I just think David's a really good picture of what it looks like. Yes. And he totally, so in chapter 16, he, people are okay. So someone is cursing this Zariah, the sons of Zariah, they're cursing David. David says, don't worry about it guys, because maybe God will see the trouble I'm in today and exchange the curses for something good. That's exactly what you were saying. That whole idea of God being in control and working. David recognizes that God put him there and he's going to do it. And so Mm -hmm. he just has to do his job. And like you said, repent, even when he makes mistakes and go back and keep going this, he obviously understands that God's got all of this in his hand. Yes. Thank God. Yeah. What a great picture he is for us, even in all of his flaws, but what an also great picture of just the chaos of humanity, world power, like, yeah, yeah, but just where the structures of world power Mm -hmm. are um, evident here. So this passage, so I have always found this portion of second Samuel really, really hard because there's so many different names. There's two mm-hmm. different sides mm-hmm. and they're switching sides sometimes, mm-hmm. just like you were describing. Um, so there were a lot of times where I'd actually have to like circle a name and then write down the verse that they're associated with before so that I can go mm-hmm. back like so that I could just see. Um, Joab, Joab was one of those that I kept looking for. I like was like, wait a second. I literally just like, that's what I I just said. Joab asked. So in, in chapter 20, where it says, um, Joab asked Amasa, are you well, my brother? Then with his right hand, Joab grabbed Amasa by the beard to kiss him. Amasa was not on guard against the sword in Joab's hand. And Job stabbed him in the stomach with it, spilled his intestines on the ground. Job did not stab him again. And uh, Amasa died. So then I had to go back and like, remember who's who and why is, who, why is he doing this? And who's, who's winning here? Like, and yes, I feel like we talked about Joab last year because Joab is David's, he's like one of the commanders of David's army, but Joab was also, he had a hand in Absalom's death. He killed Absalom. Yeah. Yeah. And didn't tell, right. Absalom was hanging. He stabs him. And then all these other people come and like also attack Absalom, but he doesn't ever, it doesn't seem like David ever finds that out. I don't think. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then and Joab Amasa, comes back and he's like, you can't be sad for your son. Like get right, up. Like you're right. going to dishearten all of these people. And he's like, which is right. Like he's not wrong about that. No. Like, there's just, and like, he's this- not even wrong in like, I think Joab has David's best interests at heart. Like yes. even in killing Absalom, Absalom, he's fighting for David's kingdom. You yes. know what I mean? But he, but so interesting. It's not what David wants. And then yep. same with this. Amasa is a guy who David sent right? Yes. And then he kind of disappears and then sends Joab and then they run into each other. And yeah, it's, it's Joab is an interesting character, I think, because sometimes it's hard to tell which side he's on. He doesn't, he doesn't blindly follow orders. He manipulates things to do so that he, for the outcome that he thinks that is best for the King. Yeah. Yep. There's a, yeah. And there's just so many like 
like the whole point I think is that it's supposed to be ambiguous. Like it's supposed to be this, like it's not black and white, like who's for who and who's not for who, just like you're talking about. And it's like, they, like, it's clearly written here on purpose to show us that so often things are just not clear and black and white. That passage where it says one of Joab's young men, this is after he kills him, he killed Joab kills Amasa. One of Joab's young men had stood over Amasa saying, whoever favors Joab and whoever is for David, follow Joab. Like, again, this guy is actually on David's side, right. but even though like he just killed David's dude. And then this guy like moves, Joe moves Amasa's body because everybody's rubbernecking. Like it's like right. slowing down yes. the army. Yes. And he's like, okay, I'm just going to go hide. Cover him, with, so that- cover him with a blanket. Yeah. People yeah. are distracted. Anyway. Yeah. Many interesting things in here. I think it also, like when we dig a little bit deeper and talk like, okay, so why, what does this matter? What does this teach us about God? David, God put David on the throne and no amount of like convoluted human mess of back and forth and family. And David was God's king. God put him there. And so. And God told him he was going to take him there. Yeah. Yeah. He said he was going to take his son and his son was going to steal him and sleep with the woman and wide open. Like God said, all of this stuff was going to happen. Like we're just watching the story unfold that God told David ahead of time. This is what's right. going to happen because of what you did because of his sin. Yeah. Yeah. I love the the picture of the woman who comes out, the wise woman mm-hmm. who calls out to them and cause they're taking battery rams to the city. And the woman's like, what, can you just tell us what you need? And I wrote in the margins, I was like, sometimes a little wisdom is more effective than an army of battering rams. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I got this. Here's his yeah. head. You need his head. I'll just give you the head. And then yeah. could you just move along people? Yeah. Can you let us live in peace? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Should we go to Ezekiel? Yes. All right. Oh, this was funny at the very end of 20. This is totally a message translation, but Ira the Jarite was David's chaplain is what it says like oh that's nice. oh have a chaplain it wasn't weird they tend to be so i don't have i don't have a lot from ezekiel i really just kind of read through it i feel like it's just more of the same yeah. every yeah. week one thing that i found interesting was that ezekiel was um called you know jeremiah and ezekiel are both called to do like really really mm. weird things mm-hmm. and but hard. i think yeah, my heart was really filled with compassion yeah. for Ezekiel this week when I recognized that he was called, that God told him he was going to take his wife mm-hmm. and then he wasn't allowed to mourn for mm-hmm. her because it was a picture for Israel of what right. was going to happen to them. Yeah, I just was kind of sitting with that for a while and what that was like to be a prophet and to be so attuned to what God was telling you that you could just obey. Mm-hmm. So focused on yeah, not this world. You know what I mean? Because yeah. his whole life in this world was not fun. I mean, his people hated him. All he did was give them bad news and do weird things and really, really hard things for the sake of God. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're going to get more into that when we hit Hosea. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just really, that one was really sad. And I, they're just really, they are very, very clear pictures of what like God gives them really good metaphor. Like it's mm-hmm. very clear metaphors for what's going to happen mm-hmm. to them. And I, it's just interesting. Yeah. Do you have anything specific from Ezekiel? Well, one of the things that I noticed this week is the first couple chapters, we're talking about God's judgment on Israel again, or continued. And then in chapter 25 and the next couple of chapters, he, start, he, he starts talking about 
acts of vengeance against other places. And it was interesting to me that when God judges Israel, the judgment is in response to their unbelief, really. They're walking away from God. Um, and yet he's, he's also acting vengeance on all these other nations because of the way that they have treated his people, Israel. So there's mm. judgment, which, which when you take that a layer deeper, it's also rejection of God, like rejecting his people. So it's the same thing, but it's interesting that it just was interesting to me to read all of these, like, we're still reading God's judgment on Israel because you've forgotten me, because you've forgotten me, because you've forgotten me. (laughs) And then, oh, and by the way, I'm also going to judge all these surrounding nations because so like in 25, it's um, Ammon, what they've done to Israel, Moab, Edom, the Philistines, like it just keeps going on and on about God's vengeance because of how, because of the way they've treated his people. So that's kind of something I was just thinking about that, how that works together, like God's judgment and his compassion and his, like it's justice and vengeance, Mm -hmm. like all of those things that are, that make God, God that we just cannot wrap our brains around fully that he can be, we cannot No, that vengeance is his and he's just, and, but like, also like all this week I'm underlining that's, I've been doing this throughout Ezekiel and then you'll recognize that I'm God. And then you'll realize that I'm God, like over, he pronounces the judgment and then you'll know that I'm God, like over and over and over and over. And I think that's, I mean, that's what it is. It's all of these, all of these care. We see so many. I love that. Several main character traits of God in Ezekiel that seem like they don't fit together. And yet when you take those things together, then you'll realize that I'm God. Like this is. Yeah. That's so interesting. So that book that I'm reading, one of the things that one of the problems this guy has with like the reformed theology is that everything is brought back to like when there's just not, you know, you have to have an answer for everything. You have to be able to put it in a box and Mm -hmm. just like you read these old Testament things. And that's hard. Like, it's not how, like how you can't just wrap it up and say it's for God's glory. Like it's for God's glory. And I think that's ultimately what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it's true, but I love that so much better that it's not because God's glory makes it look like he's like, aren't I wonderful? You know what I mean? Right. You, I think you have to, Yes. You have to understand what that means when you're talking right. about for God's glory. When you're saying right. this is for God's glory, it's to prove that God is God. Yes. I love and I he that's answers what I love to no one. Saying, yeah. that, yes. Is that he's not, it's not for um it's not for him to say, Aren't I beautiful and loving and shouldn't you want me? He's just saying it doesn't matter whether you want me or not. I'm right. God. Well, it, and those it, things at the end of this day, you're gonna know that I am God. And like yes. we said before. Because he does these hard things, we know that all the other yes, things that he we can does trust. are true, yeah. which is that he loves us. And all of this is his pursuit of us to make us, yes. to draw us back to him, to make us trust him, to make us lean into him, to make us have and a relationship. Ultimately, that knowledge, that recognition that he is God, like all of this is for God's glory, meaning he's God, yes. good, messy, like understandable, not whatever. He yeah. is God. That should result in worship really ultimately. Like that's where, like, I think that's where I think of glory. Like this is for God's glory, knowing that God and I are so drastically different. 
Well, that's where you go. I mean, you just have to point people back to Job. Like if you're not, if you're confused about all of this, (laughs) yeah, go back to our commentary on Job because that is what that whole book is about. Is that all of these hard things, like it, like, how do you, how can you tell me that I should look at this and it should cause me to worship? Like, that's not how that I'm sorry, but that's not how that's going to work for me. But ultimately that's exactly how it works. When God proves to you that he is God and you are not, it does result in your worship. There's nothing, there's no other place for you to go, but low, like that's just exactly. Yes. That's so good. And I think that that's why we can't take God in slices. Like that's why we can't just say God is just God is holy. God is gracious. Like, because if we only take those little pieces of God, if all I see of God is his his justice or his justice, I'm not, that's going to be harder for me to worship because that's he's there are pieces missing. Do you know yes. what I mean? Like when we like we're in Ezekiel now, but we've read through the rest of it and taken all of these things that we've learned about who God is and who, what his character is like, that's what causes us to worship. Not yes. just the one thing that we're learning about in Ezekiel. And so yes. recognizing that God is God, it's, it's all of him. And I think Job, you going back to Job, that's what that's about too. Job sees, I mean, God, of course, takes him back to creation, but he, he, there's so much that Job learns about God, not just one thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he gets to know God's character as a whole. And that is what causes you to worship. Not just looking at the fact uh-huh. that he's disciplining Israel for their disobedience. Yeah. And I think actually that's, what, that's kind of what I was getting at with David, where he's like, he matures at that point of the arc where he gets angry with him. Because just like Job, Job was known as a friend of God. Like he was mm-hmm. God's friend. And that's how he knew God was God as friend. And God was taking him to the next level mm-hmm. of like, let me get you through the point where you're actually angry with me because you don't really, you only have a small slice of me. You know me right. as friend, but you know me small. Right. So I'm going to take you to like a point where you're going to know me big. Yeah. And then you're going to worship. And that's exactly what I think God does with David with the ark where he's like, we've been friends and you've known me as this dependable God that you can call on and I'll act on your behalf, but you know, me really small and I'm going to yeah. make you know me big. And that's like, yes. Yeah. I love that. Yep. That's yep. good. Let's go to second. Corinthians. Thanks Ezekiel. Yeah. Thanks Ezekiel. Didn't see that coming. Nope. Seven through 13. Is that right? Yes. I don't know that I have a ton. I don't think I've written anything in my margins, but well, one, we really haven't touched on, we didn't touch on it last week, but I think it would be, we would be remiss to miss a bulk of second Corinthians is about generosity. Mm-hmm. It's about giving out of a generous heart. It's about recognizing that Paul has given generously of himself to the second Corinthians and he's kind of, or to the second Corinthians. <laughs> He's given generously of himself in the ministry to the Corinthians. Mm -hmm. And he's basically like, he's kind of trying to convict their hearts about like, I'm coming to you, be prepared with an offering because I'm taking it because the reason that I was able to give to you generously was because the Macedonians gave to me while I was in your midst so that I wouldn't have to collect from you. Mm -hmm. And now I'm going back to the Macedonians and I want be prepared to take up an offering out of the goodness of your hearts for me to bring back to them Mm -hmm. because I'm going to be doing the same thing for them. It's just kind of a neat, but Paul doesn't pull punches in this letter. He's like, no. Hey, you children who I have to get really basic with. Let me yes. just tell you right now that I'm coming 
And I expect to, I expect to be able to come without having to be mad at you about it. Right. Okay. That was something that I noticed in this reading through second Corinthians that I've never noticed before that he's, he's basically like, I'm writing you this letter so that I can deal with this before I come. So that when I come, I can enjoy my visit with you. I don't want to deal with this crap when I get there, which I never, I'd never realized that before about second Corinthians, because it's true. He's, he's sending them this letter, but he's getting ready to go see them. Uh-huh. And so he's totally like, I'm going to lay this all out here. And they even talk, I forget which chapter it is where he's like basically saying, you guys accuse me of, or I am accused of being kind of wishy-washy in person and really hard line in my letters. And this is why, because I want to, I want to enjoy you when I'm there. I don't want to deal with this when I get there. And so I'm sending you this letter, but yeah. I will, if I have to, but I will like, if you I think, have to. Yeah, yeah. You think I'm weak and I'm like soft-spoken because that's how I am when I'm with you and I'm harsh in my letters, but I'll tell you what, if I come and I find you lacking, I will be as harsh as I yes. have to be to like, make sure that you be who I have, who you have been called by God to be yeah, and receive and receive and share the gospel the way that I presented it to you. Yeah. He's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Paul. I have, Paul. I might be team Paul. I, yeah, he's a good one. He's he a good one. So I love how he wraps it up the very last verse in second Corinthians. Oh yeah. I have underlined in chapter 13. If you haven't changed your ways by the time I get there, look out. (laughs) Yeah. He's not messing around, but at the very end, he says, this is uh, chapter 13, verse 14, the amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship of the Holy spirit be with all of you. Uh, That man, what a good description of each of the triune God. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yes. That was a good wrap up. Good job, Paul. That's the recap. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the recap. If you enjoyed this discussion and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading, you might be interested in joining our in-depth Bible studies where we model our version of inductive Bible study. You can find out more at divecollective.org and we will see you next week.